we are continuing a series here entitled Jonah. We're going through the book of Jonah over the next few weeks and kind of just highlighting and pinpointing some things uh, to catch our attention. And so as you're going to the book of Jonah, as you're flipping through the book of Jonah, as you're getting out your phone or your app or your tablet, scrolling through to the, um, the book of Jonah, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Uh, Father God, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy, it's by your love, it's by your kindness that you bring us to this point. Father, give us wisdom. Father, give us insight. Um, give us a heart to know you. Um, share with us your word and your truth, and let us receive who you are and what it is you have for us today. Father, speak to our hearts and our minds. Give us clarity and your Holy Spirit and guidance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Jonah, uh, we're going to read from chapter 1, verse 17. We ask everybody to stand as we read God's word and giving it honor. It should be on the, scripture, on the screen as well, and it's a short verse, so you won't have to stand too long today. Then the Lord prayed to the, I'm sorry. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. All right, now watch this. I'm going to read verse, this verse right here. We have in front of you as well. Verse 1, 17. Now the Lord heard, the Lord had arranged, a, arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. You guys may be seated. Um, if you were with us last week, we talked about this story, Jonah. Uh, we talked about Jonah, and we talked about this, uh, this guy, Jonah, who got on a ship. And we talked from the perspective of being the people that were on the ship that Jonah was on. We talked last week that Jonah got on a ship. Um, going in a direction that Jonah had no business going. God had called Jonah to go in a totally different direction to share the word to the people of Nineveh, to basically share a message with them that would hopefully have their lives changed. Uh, Jonah did not want to share this message with the people of the Nineveh. Uh, he didn't like the Ninevites. Jonah's people didn't like the Ninevites. They hoped that the Ninevites would be totally destroyed. And so Jonah decided to hop on the ship going in the opposite direction. And because we had Jonah on, his, on their ship, all of this chaos and confusion broke out because God was trying to get a hold of Jonah because Jonah was being rebellious and disobedient. We talked about how sometimes we can have the wrong people connected to our ship and in our lives, and they can cause us all kinds of problems and chaos and havoc because we are connected with the wrong people that God never intended for us to have, going in a direction God never intended them to go, and it's hard to reach our destiny when we're connected to the wrong people. You guys with me so far? And so we talked about grabbing that Jonah, whoever that Jonah is. It's your cousin, your uncle, your auntie, your coworker, your best friend that, um, yeah, mm -hmm. and so you guys know who those people are. And so grabbing all of those those folks and throwing them overboard, getting them off of our ship is what we talked about. And getting them off of our ship, we saw that our lives changed tremendously. And it's okay to throw people over the ship. God will take care of them. I know we want to hang on to them, but God's got them. And we talked about that perspective. I want to flip the perspective for the rest of our series, and I want to flip our perspective to the concept of what if we are the Jonah? What if we are the rebellious, hard-headed, stubborn, a stiff-necked kind of person? What if we're that person that's doing what God did not uh, ask us to do or God has spoken to us to do? What if we're going in an opposite direction of where God has called us to go? What do we do if we're that Jonah? What if we are the one that has rebellion in our lives and we have turned all the way from God? What if we rebellion in one area of our life? 
What if it's a rebellion in our marriage? We don't want to humble ourselves or submit ourselves to our husband or to our wives. What if we don't want to submit ourselves to our, to our supervisor? What if we don't want to be an obedient uh, child? Hey, kids, if you don't want to be obedient to your, to your parents, what do you do with these rebellious this kids over here too? What do you do with these rebellious kids that don't want to listen to their parents? Just to get more amens from the parents. Come on, guys. What do we do if we have this rebellious personality, this mentality, this heart, this thought process? What do we do when we're in rebellion and we find ourselves suffering the consequences of disobedience and rebellion? Because when we do rebel, there are consequences. When we do rebel, when we talk back, when we ignore God's voice, when we refuse to go in the direction He's called us to go in, we do experience consequences. It's funny because Jonah gets thrown into this ship, and the very first thing that happens to him when he hits this ship, when he gets into the ship, is he goes in a different direction. The storm breaks out. When the storm breaks out, something else happens, and finally they realize Jonah is the problem or the issue. They take Jonah, and they throw him overboard, and it says that Jonah starts to go into this water, and then this great fish comes and swallows Jonah up. And now here's Jonah suffering the consequences of his action, of his rebellion. He finds himself trapped in a fish. And the question is, what do we do when we find ourselves trapped in the disciplinary actions or the punishment of our rebellion? What happens is that Jonah says to God, I want out. He says to God, I want to be set free. He says to God, I want to be delivered. He says to God, I want to be out of this situation. The problem is that Jonah doesn't announce this until the third day in the fish. I'll let that sink in for a second. Jonah's inside of a fish for three days, and on the third night, he finally says, oh, help. I want help. Why did it take Jonah three days to realize I need to call on the only person that can save me? What I love about this is no matter how long he was trapped inside of that fish, he still cried out to God and God was still able to what? Save him. It doesn't matter how long you and I are trapped in our rebellion, how long you are trapped in our discipline. The minute that we sincerely want God's attention in his heart, God is quick to hear us. Not only was he trapped in there for three days, or you may be trapped in porn for 17 years, or you may be trapped in alcoholism or or drugs, or you may be trapped in this form of disciplinary action or rebellion or sin or backslidden state. Whatever it is that we're trapped in, whatever it is that we have, no longer, no matter how long we're in there, we can still call out to God at any time to come save me and rescue me, and he will. Not only is Jonah inside of this this situation because he's been rebellious, he's been, he's been, he's been uh, not, not faithful to following God's Word and His truth and being obedient to God. Not only has he been in this fish for three days, but not only has he been in this fish, but his situation stinks. I mean, fish itself stinks. I mean, it tastes great, but man, when you first get a fish, it's slimy. I've never met anything that comes out of the water that's still slimy but it's slimy and it's nasty. And I can only imagine Jonah being inside of this fish for three days and he must smell horrible. His situation must stink. Not only does the situation stink, but I would think in my mind how I reason, and maybe that's not the case, but he's not just inside the mouth of this fish. He's in the stomach of this fish. He's surrounded by stomach juices and asses. Life must be somewhat painful. 
And even though he's in a situation that is hard and tough, and even though he's in a situation that may stink, and even though he may be in a situation that is hard and painful, he still is able to cry out to a God that can what? Rescue him. And I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through the rest of this message, that the God of the universe does not care about how hard or how long you've been in your situation, how terrible or how bad it smells. I'm still able and capable to rescue you. But what does the rebellious person have to do to become rescued? Because the God of the universe will rescue you if it's been four years or three months or three weeks or two days or 22 years, he can rescue you. The God of the universe doesn't care about how bad it smells, how bad it looks, how horrible it feels. He's still the same God that can rescue you. But what does the rebellious person, what do we have to do to get the God of the universe's attention? I want you to look at Jonah verse, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. I want to share with you this first point. The Lord will hear you. Watch this, Jonah 2, 1 through 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. He says that I cried out. It's an interesting word because it means to literally, with everything inside of you, begin to ache and to holler and to yell. It means to make such a great sound that someone has to respond. Someone hears you and they have no choice but to listen to you. I've used this example before. I have four kids. My mom's been a babysitter. She's been a teacher. She's taught for 38 years in preschool, D.C., Washington, D.C. We understand that there is a difference between when a kid cries and when a kid cries. You with me? And you go in there, and they're literally just standing on the edge of the playpen like this. Uh, now, one tear. <laughs> Just making noise. Somebody come get me. But there's a difference, and every parent knows that difference. Even people that aren't parents recognize the difference between uh, and hollering with tears and with pain and with hurt when there's a great need and there's a great ache and there's a great concern. There's a difference. And so Jonah in this passage of Scripture, he doesn't just whine. He doesn't just holler. He cries out to the Lord. He cries out for God to rescue him. Because why? Jonah recognizes in the Scripture, says he recognizes that he is in great what? Trouble. One of the hardest problems with rebellious people, and I'll be myself included, is that sometimes we don't recognize how much trouble we're in. So our cry is not really a cry. It's just some noise. Y'all with me? Sometimes when I feel like, I, oh, okay, we have some kids. Oh, God, please don't let her be pregnant. That's not really a cry. That's more like some noise. Please don't let her be pregnant. I promise I'll never, uh, uh, and it's just not pregnant. And you, and yay! <laughs> I got like a witness over here. Somebody <laughs> laugh really hard. Like, you've been there before in life where you recognize this is not necessarily me recognizing how great and dangerous the situation is. Oh, no, I might go to jail. I hope I don't go to jail. Please, I'll never do it again. I swear, I promise. But that's not necessarily a real recognizing the trouble. That's just the situation, and I don't want to be in that situation. Please, God, rescue me from my situation. 
Jonah says he recognizes that he is in great trouble. And in him recognizing he's in great trouble is where this cry of, I need you to rescue me now, there's a difference. And the difference in his cry is based upon his recognition of how much trouble he's in. That's why the drug addict can go and and get clean for a little bit but can't stay clean because they realize they were in trouble, but they don't recognize that they're in great trouble. And so they'll go back When true repentance, when a heart recognizes that I am absolutely in the worst spot of trouble ever, my cry is different, my mind is different, my mentality is different, my approach for freedom is different. And so Jonah, in this state of rebellion, takes him three days because he wasn't ready yet. It's kind of deep. He wasn't ready yet to get out of trouble. And one of the reasons why we stay in trouble is because we're not ready yet to get out of trouble. My wife and I were talking about these people that that, that, that they want to get married and they have this idea of what marriage looks like. And they're not willing. And now they're 40 and 50 and still single. And they want to get married and they have this idea of what marriage should look like. But they ain't got married yet. And we laughed because we said yesterday that if you're going to expect to get married, then you have to be realistic with your expectations. And a lot of us live in the principle of expectation versus reality. This is the deep stuff I'm giving you all today. This is like a marriage counseling. Just be throwing money in buckets. This is deep stuff I'm giving you. And so we're looking, we're looking for expectation to be met, and we don't understand that there's reality that needs to be met. And we have to change our expectation to more reality, and then we'll have a, a perfect reality of expectation. Wow, this is deep. And because these ladies that are 40 and 50 years old still looking to get married, their expectation hasn't changed as over the last 20, 30 years. I keep telling them they're not serious about getting married. If they were serious about getting married, they changed their what? Expectation. To be more realistic. Jonah's in the belly of this fish for three days because his expectation isn't real. His reality isn't real. His trouble isn't real. You and I won't be set free until we recognize that we're in great trouble, that our marriage is in great trouble, our finances are in great trouble, my life decisions are in great trouble, my children are in great trouble, how I'm living my life at work is in great trouble. When we are in this rebellious state and we recognize that we're in rebellious state, but we're not willing to recognize that we're in great trouble, we'll stay in the fish. Here's point number two. The Lord knows your hurt. Watch these verses right here. The Lord knows your hurt. Go ahead. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned. Keep going. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Keep going. I got you. Go all the way down. Keep going? Yep. That's all I got. All right, there we go. Good. <laughs> it's my iPad. It's all right. 
So he, he says in the situation, he says, I want you to understand something. He says, the Lord knows our hurts. One of the reasons why it's so difficult for you and I to be rescued, so difficult for you and I to move on, so difficult for you and I to be successful is because we're too busy focusing on all the issues of life. Jonah in this passage of Scripture lists about eight things. He says, listen, I got seaweed around my head. I sank down to the very depths of the water. He says, I go all the way down to what seems to be the imprisonment of the ocean. I got the mountains. I can see the very roots of the mountains. Everything he's focused on is all the problems. You guys are with me? He's focusing on all the dramas. He's listening, all, listing all the issues. He's so busy falling into this issue of struggle and trap and frustration that all he sees and all he recognizes is this world of frustration. When our vision and our focus is on the world of frustrations, we forget about the God of the universe. When our vision and our focus is on the world and the calamities and the issues and the struggles that are around us, and we lose focus on the God of the universe, all we can do is begin to say, I got this problem, I got that problem, I got this problem, I got that. Y'all with me? And all of a sudden, how does Jonah stay in this well for three days? Because all of a sudden, he's rebelled, and now all he sees is discipline after discipline, struggle after struggle, and he never gets it in his head that he's focused on the wrong thing. Y'all want to hear real life truth? So, we took over. We got, we got voted in the last Sunday of October to Pastor here at Ken Island. The very next week, we're official. Yay, we're official. Two days prior to that, Rosie got laid off. What in the world? So now we got to figure out how we're going to get through three birthdays and a Christmas all before the new year. Y'all, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it was the worst time to get laid off in November. And so here we are struggling to get this stuff going, and bam, bam, bam. And then we got schools looking at uh, one of our kids, and he's getting accepted into the private school. And now I'm looking at this huge bill, and I'm like, I need some financial aid, and hopefully we'll be all right. And then Rosie gets this job January 22nd. You guys with me? And it's like, all right, we're moving. We're doing good. And then two weeks later, I get in a car accident on my way to church. You guys remember that? Yeah. And my car's got like 205,000 mile, billion miles on it, and the accident is really not worthy for the car to be totaled. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, they look at price versus mileage versus age, and I don't need to be totaled. I'm trying to put a kid in private school. I don't have time for a new bill. You guys with me so far? Boom, 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 boom. Rosie gets a job, and she has a job in an accident, and then we find out the car is not going to be totaled. Yes, praise God. All right, great to get it fixed. And then two Mondays ago, Rosie calls me at 1.30 and says, I just got laid off again. <sighs> Yo, I don't have time for this. I got tuition payments starting in May. Wife laid off beginning of March. What the? You guys with me? And so, some of you guys say, I'm not in a rebellious state, so this message doesn't really apply to me, and I'm going to say, yeah, check your heart. But anyway, <laughs> whatever. Let's say you're not in a rebellious state. Okay, great. And so, you're just totally unrebellious in every area of your life. Every situation, you're perfect. Oh, angel wings, great. Just come on up and preach the message. I'll sit down. Just, we'll listen to you for a second. So, preach, preacher. And so, you know, we're sitting here struggling, trying to figure out life. And so, the best thing that happened to me was we have this Jonah series, and I've preached that first message a billion times over 15 years. So, if there's anybody that can coast through the first message that I preached last week, it's me. You guys with me? And it's important that you know that because 
Two Mondays ago, I was mad. You guys can figure out why I'm mad. Because I can't seem, I can't seem to get over the hill. And I'm frustrated. And I'm doing my part. I'm doing all my work. I'm doing my, I'm doing most of my work. I'm doing all my, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm hitting pretty good. And I'm frustrated. And I go down the list and I say, man, from the minute we done took this position, wife been laid off, tough Christmas, lots of fights at home because money's tight, and then we're great again, and then, you know, a scholarship, and there's not enough scholarship money, and I got to figure out how to make these bills work, and then accident, and oh, God, no. It's just all, you see, I'm just listing all this stuff. So Sunday I preached that message. It was great. It was easy. I could coast through that message because I preached it a billion times. I knew it backwards and forwards. I need to put a whole lot of Jesus and Holy Spirit into it. I could coast. And I'm mad on Monday. I'm mad on Tuesday, trying to figure out where the, what the budget looks like. I'm flipping over pennies. If I got to go back to dancing and stripping again, it's not going to be pretty. I'm not going to get as much money as I did back in the not. It's just not, not where I used to be. You know what I'm saying? Don't laugh. It's just, it's been, hey, I've enjoyed marriage a little bit. I'm just, you know, got a little, hey, look, look, you know what I'm saying? So I'm struggling, I'm trying to figure out life. And Wednesday morning, God is like, dude, what are you worried about? It's like, I'm God. And I said to myself as I'm driving down to, to work, I say to myself, I don't know where this money is going to come from. I don't know about tuition. I don't know about nothing. But God is still God, and God, you figure out it's not my thing. And my whole heart changed Wednesday. My whole happiness changed Wednesday. I could talk to my kids again on Wednesday. I can laugh and joke and have fun, and I literally just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But he's God, it's his stuff, he'll figure it out. What happened? My perspective changed from listing all of these problems and all of these struggles to you're the God of the universe, you be God and figure it out and get me out of this thing. The only thing I need to worry about is making sure that my heart is in tune with who you are. And so if we're in a rebellious state, or if you're just holy and perfect and there's no rebellion at all, but you're still feeling the frustrations of life, stop focusing on the frustrations of life and look to the Lord. Because Jonah in this well sits here, or fish sits here and says, you know what, I recognize all of my problems, all of my struggles. He says, but you are the Lord that can still save me. You are the God that can rescue me out of the jaws of defeat. And he says in point number three, the Lord responds to a heartfelt request. Look at point number three, verse seven. I think it's already up there. Read it one more time for me. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. He says when he feels like his life is coming to an end, when this life has just frustrated him to the, to the fullest, where he's so angry, he's so mad, he's so depressed, he's so angry, he says all of a sudden he remembers who? The Lord. And that's when his life changes. He puts out this heartfelt request because when he remembers the Lord is when he starts to do this thing that we read in verse, uh, the first point. He starts to cry out to the Lord. When he remembers the Lord, he puts out a heartfelt request, rescue me, save me. Then he goes back to the Lord, and that's where life change happens. That's where rescue happens. Man, it's quiet. All right. Watch point number four. The Lord has important work for you. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. 
for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He says he's not focused on anything else. He's not looking at anybody else. His heart and his desire and his passion and his purpose is for the Lord. He recognizes that God still has work for him to do. The work that he has for him to do is what he turned his back on all those, those days ago or those hours ago. Remember, he was supposed to go to Nineveh to share the message to the Ninevites. He says, I ain't doing that. I don't want those people to be successful. He hops on the ship going in a totally different direction. God causes the storm, all of this rebellion because of his heart. He goes into the order. He almost loses his life. This great fish swallows him up. He's in a horrible, stank situation for three days, three nights. Then he recognizes who the Lord is, remembers who God is. He cries out and prays to him because he recognizes there's still something to do. If you are sitting here in this stew of rebellion that I don't want to, I'm not going to love her, I'm not going to love him, I can't stand these kids, I can't stand my parents, I can't wait till I get out of this house. When I turn 18, I'm going to be a millionaire. You're all this stuff that you think in your head and all this stuff that you reason in your heart, how the bottle is more important, how the, how the addiction is more, more sacred, how your phone and your stuff is this and your God and your worship and what you believe. He says, all this is your heart. He says, I want you to recognize that regardless of the state that you believe you're in, there's still more for you to do. And he says, where you are is not where you're meant to be. And Jonah says, I have work to do. I have a vow to keep. I have a commitment to do. I'm going to sing and praise God, and I'm going to do what I'm called to do. He basically says that I recognize that the God of this universe has made me something significant, valuable, and important, and it's not to stay in this fish rotting away. It's not to stay with this nasty, cantankerous heart and attitude because there's more for me to do than where I am. And he recognizes his importance, and because he recognizes his importance, I got to get out of this place so I can do what's important. (sighs) Did y'all see this? He says, I have vows to fulfill. I've got commitments to keep up with. I got things of importance to do, and it's more important than me doing these things and staying in this horrible situation. It's more important than my heart being negative. I don't know what life is. I don't know why these problems are this way. I don't know when life's going to be. I got something to do, and I got to do it. And the importance of what he has to do motivates him to get out of his situation. All right, watch this, point five. Point five says this, the Lord puts you where he needs you. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. This fish takes Jonah back across the sea. Remember, he's going in a totally different direction. He takes Jonah, who's going this way, who gets thrown into the water, back across the sea and spits him right back on the land and says, that's your direction. And as we read into the next passage of the Scripture, as we go into our next message, you'll see that Jonah gets up and he starts walking to where he was supposed to be, sharing the message that God has called him to be. And I find it interesting to me that a lot of times when God rescues us from our rebellion or we're concerned about what we'll look like and how we'll do and what we're supposed to be, that we feel like we can't move until we meet these qualifications by what man has put down on us. I'll help you out. Jonah's a preacher. He has refused to preach God's Word, okay? He's a preacher that leaves his calling, his ministry. He'd be like, if I left today, and I was like, I ain't doing this no more. Somebody might be like, oh, great. (laughs) I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out of here. I'm done with y'all. I'm done with the situation. I'm gone. He leaves out. 
God deals with him for a few days and brings him right back and says, bam, go preach the gospel. That would be me leaving y'all for like three weeks and be like, I'm done, and come back and be like, all right, I'm ready to preach again. Look, y'all, a lot of y'all laugh like, I wouldn't go back to this church. What's funny is Jonah is not validated by what people think. He's validated by what God believes in Jonah. And so God does not look at Jonah and say, you need 38 days or you need 17 years to get yourself together. I am calling you to do something now. We got a little bit of time before you get to your purpose, which is the city of Nineveh. I'm going to deal with that heart of yours while we're there, but you have a purpose. Let's get on board right now. Some of us won't fix our marriages because he or she is going to think too negative. I'll never be fine in their eyes. Shut up. Nobody cares about their eyes. As your heart changes for the Lord, your husband or wife will recognize who you are. As your heart changes to honor the Lord, your mom and dad will see a brand new light in you. Dude, I sat in front of my parents in 11th grade with a 1.68 GPA. Did y'all hear those numbers? That's a D plus, maybe. Maybe. I understood the math of school. Y'all don't listen to this. I understood the math of school. <laughs> semester classes meant that the first semester, the first quarter, I could fail. The second quarter, if I got a D, I passed. Bing! I wasn't doing nothing the second quarter and fourth quarter. Because I knew I'd pass. I was a horrible smart kid. And somewhere around my mother and father being frustrated and ready for me to kick me out, and I'm going to the military, I got plans, and I'm going to cut hair in the military. I ain't got no hair, but I'm going to cut hair in the military. All these plans that I had laid out somewhere between senior year and the first year of the University of Prince George's Community College, very prestigious <laughs> institution, somewhere in between that time period, the heart started to change. And salvation started to really work its roots and things and perspective and life change. And my parents can say, I never expected you to be much of nothing. That you are something I'm extremely proud of. Not because my heart changed to serve my parents or have my parents love me or think of me in some amazing way, because my heart changed for the Lord. And God will validate us, not people, not persons, not situations, not anything. God spits Jonah back out onto this land, and Jonah walks with purpose and passion and with desire because he's not worried about what anybody else thinks. He's not worried about a situation. His focus is on who? The Lord. And that's where life changes. That's where rebellion is broken. When my cry is sincere because I recognize there is more for me to do than the situation I'm in. When there's more dream, more vision, more life, more hope, there's more better than where I am right now. That these frustrations, these hurts, these pains, they'll all change when I focus on the Lord. And I can't worry about how everything else is going to turn out. I'm just focused on the Lord. I'm just focused on reaching my destiny. I'm just focused on reaching my purpose. I'm just focused on doing everything I can so that the Lord becomes successful. Jonah's whole purpose wasn't so that they would scream his names and write a book about him. His purpose was, I want to honor the Lord, and even if I don't like the people I'm supposed to be preaching to, I'm going to honor the Lord with my message. Because his message wasn't about the people at the end of the day. The message was fulfilling the will of the Lord. And as I counsel through marriages, as I counsel through 
children's counseling and single counseling. The perspective and the message of counseling is not that, not that you would make anybody happy, but that you'd make the Lord happy. And when people see God working, they let God work in them. Did y'all catch that? When people see God working, they have no choice but to let God work in them. A lot of times our rebellion is so focused on our situations, not doing what God's called us to do. A lot of times our rebellion is what will people think when we come out of? How will people respond when I come out? I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed. I'm too hurt. I've done so much. I've done so wrong. No one can love me. Nobody can understand me. Nobody's going to get me. Nobody's going to walk with me. Nobody's going to talk. We got all these excuses. And if we come out of this rebellion saying that my heart and my focus is for the Lord, I promise you everything else around you will change. And here's the greatest thing about this message. That as your heart changes and you start to come out of this rebellion, some of the people you thought would do you dirty and not respond to you and not love you and not give you the things that you need and not support you or they'll talk negatively about you will absolutely will. They will do it. And the greatest thing about that is those are the people that shouldn't be on your ship. Because God never called them to walk down the path that you're intended to walk down. They don't have the heart and the mentality to forgive you. Maybe they'll swim back to your boat later on in life when they get it. But right now, if they're not for me, if they're not with me, if they can't congratulate me, if they can't walk with me, if they can't say, I've been praying for you, now let's keep moving on together in life, then you don't need to be on my ship anyway. Because our purpose and our footsteps can't go in the same direction. Life change and a rebellious heart changes when our desire for the Lord is more important than anybody and anything else, including myself. This is where I meet the importance of the Lord. Here's your takeaway for today. The Lord has important work for you to do. I want you to repeat after me. The Lord has important work for you to do. One more time. The Lord has important work for me to do. In my marriage, in my finances, in my thoughts, in my job, in my decisions, in my parenting, in my belief system, everything, God has more important things for me to do. And so where I'm not meeting God's mark, let this be the passion, the desire, the press in my heart that I would change to serve him, that I would love him in ways that go beyond my circumstances or my situations or my own personal feelings. And even if he calls me to serve in places I don't want to serve, let me just love God and serve where I'm supposed to. Not to get ahead of myself too much, but Jonah preaches to people that don't want anything to do with God. And for you guys that know chapter 3, they all accept a holy God. Jonah's greatest fear was that they would come to the Lord. And Jonah decides to preach a message that God's given him, and they all come to the Lord. They could have killed him. They don't like the Israelites. They could have hung them up, slapped them around, but he preaches that message regardless, and their lives are changed. And he honors the Lord in his actions. Would you guys pray with me? 
God of the universe, it is so hard sometimes to humble ourselves and to come back to you. It is so hard sometimes to ignore what we feel the eyes and the words and the naysayers will say. Father, give us the ability to see the hurt and the chaos and the foolishness that is surrounding our lives in these areas where we have rebelled against you. Let it be our cry that you would save us. Let it be our passion to recognize there's more to do in this one small area or this great crippling area. Let us recognize that you have called us to do more. That you've laid on our hearts to be more. Let us take the first steps to you. Save us. Give us wisdom. Free us from this, this emotional, mental prison. That we walk in the fullness of life in you. Father, we pray now that as we're getting ready to enter into communion, that you, Lord God, would speak to our hearts, that you would let this be the first step of us returning back to you, leaving our rebellious situations, that we walk out in the fullness of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.